All right. Welcome back to another sick episode of the Too Sick Podcast, where we dive into Louisiana's local scenes from music to art, and we dive even deeper into the artists behind it all. Back again for the third time, I'm your newest co-host, the man, the myth, the legend, often imitated, never duplicated, Duke Daigle. And sitting beside me in flesh and bone is our fearless leader and innovator of grassroots journalism, Mr. Jim Jones. But not to be confused with the cult leader, Jim Jones, because this one's way cooler. (laughs) And once again, we have a special guest with us today. But um, before we begin, I want to kind of give a little introduction of who this guy is. Um... Today we have a jack of all trades. Uh, this man is a music producer, audio engineer, singer, songwriter, multi-talented instrumentalist, and a super sick dude. You can call him raspy, just don't call him late for lunch. Mr. <laughs> Max Benet. Woo! Yeah. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being here. Hell yeah. I'm excited, man. This is going to be a fun one. Liquid Death, proud sponsor of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh. For real, or... No, <laughs> I, I wish. One day. Pitch it. Yeah, one day. That's how we're just going to do it. We're just going to say that we've got sponsors, and then eventually they'll reach out to us, hopefully. Hell yeah, man. So, um, let's go ahead and get started with uh, with a bit of an introduction from yourself about uh, how long you've been in the scene, uh, how'd you come to play music, and, and why. Um, I... Uh... I started playing in school band when I was 10, um, played percussion. They made us start out on little, um, like, glockenspiels, basically called just a bell kit. Yeah. Um, you've probably seen them in pawn shops before. Um, for like $50 or something. Um, but, so I learned on that, uh, my dad's a drummer, and so there were always drums and guitars and things around, and I would play on them. Um, and also I like toy pianos and, and just stuff like, like washboards and like just all that oh, yeah. stuff. Um, so I started, I did percussion because my dad was a drummer and I kind of looked up to my father in that regard. Um, kind of wish I would have learned like a horn instrument or mm. something. Cause that's like the only thing I really have never messed around on is like a horn or a woodwind instrument you know um so that would have that would have been cool but um learning percussion uh first before anything else kind of gave me like a really like more of a sense of rhythm than maybe some other songwriters or guitar players or whatever have um but i started out on bass as far as bands are concerned probably around the same time or I got a bass around the same time as I joined school band um which is like fifth grade around 10 and I didn't really I didn't play a show until I was like 12 that was the year 2000 so um (laughs) I was yeah I was 12 and I was just in this band we had a few originals and then we played like Misfits covers and Deftones covers and Johnny Be Good. Hell yeah. And I think that's <laughs> like... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Well-rounded. Yeah, so... Is that... Uh, is that... Was that your first performance always on duty? Is that right? Mm-mm. Because that says... Because you've been jamming for at least since 2004, so... Yeah, pharmacist was... Um, that was when I was like 16, 17, oh, okay. and then we, we, we came back, we de- we had a few reunion type of situations, um, like we never completely hung it up, 
until the last time we were together. But, um, nah, I, like I said, I started out on bass, um, and I was in a band, um, called Fear From Within, um, very, like, youthful name or whatever. Um, but, yeah, we started out playing, like, at Main Street and Bro Bridge, stuff like that. I don't know if you remember Main Street. Well, I, um... I saw that you've played. I saw some old flyers when uh, you were with Wildfires, mm-hmm. and uh, you played with uh, some really good friends of mine, Shark Bait at Frankie's Burger oh, yeah. and Bisbanos and all that stuff. Yeah, definitely. So I've been to. I want to say I went and saw the Frankie's show. I believe. Yeah, we were I'm not mistaken. We maybe? were all living together at one point, Wildfires, and we uh we did like a house show or two and they came and played in Hell like yeah. our house and oh, stuff yeah. like that. So we were we didn't like really kick it with them outside of the show setting cuz they were like straight edge Christian yeah. like, and we were like kind of like the And now they're the complete opposite. So right, wild. Right. Um, <laughs> but at the time we were already the complete opposite of that. And yeah. so um, they're, I think they're just a little younger. And so like in, in the, they had a little bit more development to go before they're like, Oh, I think I want to drink a beer. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, like, yeah. I, I remember I was saying that like there was a scene or I don't want to say a scene, but there was a period in time when Lafayette music, or at least this area of music was pretty popping and popular. And then there was like a lull, say like between like 2000 and 14 till like just a few years ago i think this the music scene in lafayette kind of picked back up Mm -hmm. but i was around during that i guess that earlier scene with like this horrible machine and the promise of and yeah a bunch of those guys so i was kind of like immersed into that because i've played i was in a I was in a, a hardcore band, and we played at, like, the Underground Sea Which in New one? Liberia. We were the remains of a... We only played one show, man. The remains <laughs> of a lion. Oh, word. We went by okay. Troll. <laughs> but, yeah. You probably didn't hear of us. Um, we didn't get the record deal. <laughs> but uh, I kind of want to backtrack just a little bit, because you said uh, that your dad was a touring musician. And I found an, uh, an interview you did with Outcast, And you said that your dad was... An intense heavy hitter when performing. An interview I did with Outcast. That's what Outcast IO is some electronic oh, magazine okay. or okay. website or something from New Orleans. It's just like maybe? I've never met Outcast, dude. <laughs> no, no, not the band. <laughs> yeah. Trust um, me, we'd be talking about way different shit. <laughs> yeah, my my dad is a really heavy player. Like he he he's very loud. He doesn't play much anymore, but yeah, he was really what, loud. Uh, what kind of music did he play that you kind of grew up listening to? Oh, that he played that I grew up listening to? Um, I guess that might have been two questions. I get, but. like, um, I mean, a lot of stuff, and a, a lot of his taste kind of determined mine, because I wouldn't listen to stuff if my dad didn't like yeah. it. Um, but he, like he would put on like jazz fusion records and mm. stuff like that. I think that was kind of like his favorite thing, but he, he didn't do too much of that in bands. He was actually like kind of a big part of the swamp pop movement. Oh, sweet. Oh, okay, so, cool. Um, but that he didn't really listen to that stuff much. Um, he just had friends that play that stuff. And so, you know, like, uh, Zachary Richard, Sonny mm-hmm. Landreth, and shit. So, 
by proxy he would just end up doing it but that's never something he played in the house much you know oh okay he was like really into like the police and just oh, like, okay. um stuff where there was like intricate drumming going on you know yeah well that's interesting though because my dad was also a touring musician when i was growing up and he's actually pretty big in the i wouldn't say swap pump scene but he's a, a radio personality for k-ball 101.1 so it's like local zodico cajun yeah. music and all kinds of stuff and uh so i wonder if my dad knows your dad that'd be crazy <laughs> probably i mean like most the, it was a lot smaller of a city back then mm-hmm. and so like you'll find with people from that era like uh, they all know each other yeah or have at least heard of each other oh definitely you know i mean after you know like katrina like a bunch of people moved here and like this that and the other like i'm sure probably like covid had a bunch of people moving here for a like cheaper lifestyle so there's a lot more people here now but oh, yeah. back then it was like like my dad always talks about how like lafayette stopped at like elise's mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying yeah like it like that was like was the new. end of lafayette so yeah. you were born in lafayette yeah downtown lafayette oh okay Fightonville. <laughs> so when did you move to new orleans um, I, so I, I moved to Portland from Lafayette in 2000, the end of 2011, and then I moved to New Orleans from Portland, um, 2014, and I didn't move back here in between. Okay. So, um, I went straight from Portland to New Orleans and stayed there for nine years. Oh, okay. How's the music scenes differ from Lafayette to Portland to New Orleans? Um, Portland, Portland is a lot different now from what I've heard than when I was there, but, um, the scene was, like, very inviting of weird eccentricities, and, um, like, that's where I got into making, like, instrumental, like, Mm beat-based music, and, like, a lot of the people around me were, like, being very encouraging of all the, like, my weirder side, whereas here at least back in the day, a lot of that stuff went over people's heads. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. And New, New Orleans is, like, people would think there's more of a scene there than there is. Oh, okay. But it's really kind of the same the same bands playing over and over. And over which happens here, too, but mm-hmm. there you'll find, like, people, like, the same five people will have, like, three bands. And yep. so it's, like... Yeah. There's like there's this one musician in particular, in New Orleans, who's he's got to be in at least five bands, if not more. And I swear to God, he plays every single show, like every yeah. single yeah. show. Yeah. One of his bands is playing because he's he's either the drummer, or the guitarist, or the bass player. Yeah. And it's like he's not even from he's from like California or like some mm. shit. It's like, dude. Like, you were literally oversaturating <laughs> oh, yeah. a very tiny scene, yeah. you know? Like, I don't think you understand what you're doing. You're, like, literally gentrifying, like, a scene. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of that going on in New Orleans. It's very, like, the scene, not just the city itself, but the scene is gentrified by, like, transplants, mm-hmm. people who aren't from there and generally grew grow up, like, you know, with a little more, like, privileged yeah. than people from down here typically you know like yeah. so um it's it's like it's different when it's like southern transplants but when it's people yeah that come in with money 
oh, yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah. It's like a total different vibe because they're on some like I'm about to take over, and it's yeah. they're they're not really thinking community. They're thinking how to like thrive financially themselves. Yeah, so they can build a life for themselves. It's interesting to uh, to find people coming from like California over to Louisiana when. Most of the time, like musicians around here, want to want to go to L.A. You yeah, know? I mean, I, I guess people people move to New Orleans to party. Essentially, mm-hmm. I mean, you don't really meet people who move there for some kind of like wholesome lifestyle. Yeah. But do you think that yeah. there's like a stigma in New Orleans? Like, oh, it's such a a music thriving city. Like everybody just assumes that the music scene in New Orleans is like the biggest thing in there other than like Mardi Gras or partying. So for think sure that that's why people flock to New Orleans over staying in California because it is smaller. To an extent, yeah. Um <clears throat> I think that people perceive it that way and so they're like, I'm gonna go like rebuild blah 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 mm-hmm. whatever life for myself in New Orleans. Um, and then they get there and it's like fish in a bucket or crabs in a bucket or, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Um, so that, yeah, that's a very real thing that goes on over there. And then, I mean, to be completely honest, the people that are moving in, like have more of an awareness of like business and subculture and how Mm -hmm. to make money with subculture and things like that. Whereas people down here from you know from the deep south really don't have much of they don't really have resources to like learn those types of things the same way yeah we don't have like we don't grow up with the same like diy music space art spaces true so like you know whereas in california by 18 someone has like this much experience booking shows and having people like crash on their floor and stuff like that people don't really even get into it until they're 18 here Oh, okay. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So they have, like, kind of an unfair advantage based on, like, how the scene functions, like, in whatever bigger city they're from in, like, Southern California or whatever, you know? Yeah. (laughs) You're saying we should extend the wall around Louisiana. (laughs) I mean... Hoorah. I mean, I... I guess... You don't have to answer it seriously. (laughs) I know that's a joke. I know that's a joke, but... um, I definitely think there's there's enough like for everyone to do their there's enough space for everyone to do their thing. Yeah. Um if if we let each other, if we allow each other to. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know. Um it seems to me like the industry is a lot smaller around here for like the the scenes that that are trying to to become burgeoning in these cities like there's not many record labels trying to trying to take a chance on this kind of sound how has how have you interacted with that like have you experienced that at all um the like as far as the sound you mean like heavier rock yeah yeah um there's more there's more of that going on in new orleans for sure Mm -hmm. um you know it's none of them are like doing like big things like per se but um at least in the underground world like there are some that are doing bigger things and then there's like um there are certain pipelines from like new orleans to other cities like memphis and um with like goner records and stuff like that and there are people in new orleans who are kind of like on board with that they're part of that whole family 
Um, so New Orleans is very business oriented mm -hmm. in a way where Lafayette isn't, but not necessarily in a negative way because people there kind of always looking how to make their next dollar. Yeah. So there's a lot more hustling going on, even in the underground community. Hustling, like, not in a positive way. I uh, mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, like, people through. hustling each other. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's fucked. Um, you know, there's a lot of, like, get playing a show for, like, quote unquote, like, exposure. Yeah. You know? Um, whereas, like, maybe that whatever bigger band you opened for, their whole crowd was outside smoking cigarettes when you played. So, like, mm, you didn't really yeah. get anything out of yeah. it at all. You know, yeah. except yeah. like to be on the same flyer with them, um, which isn't a whole lot. <laughs> what's that? It's not a whole lot. You know? Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying all my experiences have been like that, but mm -hmm. definitely a handful of them have yeah. been. You know, I mean, I was there for nine years, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we mentioned a couple of your bands, but I got a list of a of a handful of them, and I'm sure there's tons more apparently, <laughs> but um. You were in Wildfires, you were in Magic Legs, Big Void, Pharmacists Always on Duty, Modern Bones, and then you're recently Raspy. Um, all of which you can find on band camps or, uh, I think, what is it, Louisiana Music Archive or something yeah, like that has some uh, of his songs Spotify on there? Spotify as well for, okay. for Raspy. But uh, how did you transition from playing in all these bands to producing music? Um, well, the, the Raspy thing actually started... Uh, before I moved away from here, mm -hmm. okay. Um, it it used to I I've shortened the name down from something else that I used to use, but um, it, I got a MacBook and I started messing around with GarageBand, um, and that dragged out for a while until I got some better software. Um, and that was probably within a year or so. So around the time I moved away, I kind of gave guitar a break for a while. Mm. And, um, uh, the place I was staying in Portland, I would just kind of like, um, just like smoke a lot and stay in my room and just, um, try to figure out how to produce, right. how to make like electronic based music um and i had some people who were who helped me and um hooked me up with like plugins and stuff like that um so really like um what you how'd you phrase the question like how did i transition yeah how because like, because I, I noticed i noticed like looking at all your bands and stuff like on your band camp and stuff every everything i listened to was always like you know uh, Max's vocals, guitar, etc. And then it was also like produced and remastered or mastered by, oh, yeah. by yeah. you too. So I was like, well, damn, he was doing that from the beginning, basically, if that's accurate. Um, nah, I, it's something I transitioned into doing from playing um, bands and stuff. Because like the old, like the old stuff, like the Wildfires album that I did a, re a remaster for, or a master for, I should say, because it was never mastered in the first place. That wasn't recorded by me. That was recorded by someone else. Okay. So back in the day, I didn't know how to do um, any recording type of stuff. Um, it was always like people that um, we knew, or yeah, basically that. So it's uh, it was I, what I'm saying is I transitioned into being a producer 
um, after years and years of just like playing in bands, playing tons of shows. So you just kind of just self-taught yourself how to do it all, and pretty much, I did go to school for it um, in New Orleans. Uh, I guess around like 2015 or 16, um, but I didn't really learn a whole lot that I didn't already know. Uh, I guess I just wanted like the certification. Oh, yeah. Okay. It, Fuck it, it. it was fairly cheap and like it I knocked it out in probably like a year with straight A's so Oh yeah. There you go. It was did just like, you did you expect to uh to learn much more than you already knew? Like was that a surprise when you were going to school and you're like, Oh shit, I, I already know all this. I was hoping to Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, cause I don't think like anyone spends money to go to school to like not learn. Yeah. And I did learn things. I did learn things I didn't already know. Like I should, I should correct myself. But more like things like soldering mm-hmm. and stuff that I'm not really like using day to day. I I could totally have a job where I'm like soldering and stuff, but that's not really why I learned audio engineering. Right. I learned audio engineering, you know, so I could make cool music sound good on yeah. record, basically. Oh, yeah. So. Uh, well, I kind of want to transition into this right here. This kind of intrigued me a little bit. In that same Outcast interview you did that you don't remember doing. Um, <laughs> I, I think I remember what you're talking about. I just didn't remember the name of the publication. Yeah. Well, it was funny because when I Googled you, I just Googled, like, you know, uh, Max Benet, Louisiana. And all kinds of shit popped up. And then I was like, well, let me see what happens in, in Portland. And then when I Googled, like, Max Benet, Portland, it was like, do you mean Max Bennett? Like, it, like, <laughs> corrected it, like, as if Benet's not a thing up there. And I just thought that was interesting that in the South, like, Louisiana, it's like, oh, that's a common name, so yeah. we'll just, we'll do it. So I had to search, like, pages upon pages <laughs> to find a fucking Portland interview or anything crazy. But uh, you mentioned in that Outcast interview, um, you said that in, your inspiration comes from uh, esotericism and um, the occult which is like a huge sidebar that conversations that we have on the podcast all the time. Uh-huh. So I'd love to dive into your fascination with both and kind of branch out from there. Um, so in that neighborhood I grew up in, like Fightonville, there was this, um, there was this shop called Euphoria. Okay. And this is like in the late nineties. Mm-hmm. Um, like early, early two thousands. But, um, it was the shop owned by this, um, couple, these two ladies and they, um, <clears throat> I don't know. It was just like, you ever been to like, um, uh, what's it called? Um, uh, uh, the, the gypsy, oh, yeah, gypsy yeah, market. Yeah. You ever yeah. been to gypsy oh, market? No. So it's, it's just like books and incense and like rocks oh, okay. and jewelry and yeah. some crystals. Yeah, like, hell shit like that. Um, And, like, clothes and um, just, like, uh, all that type of stuff. Mm -hmm. So, um, when I was young, I would just kind of be, like, wandering around the downtown area and stuff. (laughs) And I would just, like, go anywhere that would, like, allow a kid in, basically. Yeah. And um, so I would go, like, bug the crap out of them for, like you know, probably hours on end and just ask them a bunch of questions and stuff like that. Hell yeah. Um, but I, I became interested in it that way. And then I started going to the library and checking out books. Um, cause they had a bunch of stuff on like witchcraft and, um, things like that. And, um, 
then my dad got me into like astrology when I was like 16. Um, and so that's been something I've always like looked into to a vast extent. Um, and like the people that are closer to me know that like sometimes I won't shut up about it and it's like, we'll ramble, bro. It's, I don't know. That's like, um, but, or it's just like a very common thing for me to like ask someone like their birthdays and like, oh. <laughs> shit, when I'm when I'm first meeting someone they're like why are you asking me that shit um but uh have you ever read that one I don't think so well you can take that home with you hell yeah, yeah. uh that is uh the secret teachers I believe of the western hemisphere something like that but uh it's written by Gary Lockman who's the uh guitarist for Blondie He's oh, like, it's yeah. written by him? Yeah, he's he's like really into that kind of stuff and uh, spirituality and whatnot. And uh it goes over like HPB and like uh some of the some of the bigger like influential people in, in EXO, like uh all the all the spirituality and whatnot. But yeah, uh it's like talking about alchemy and Yeah, yeah. Hell yeah, dude, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Um Yeah, so um by the time I was, by the time I was like uh, in my late teens, I was already like heavily interested in all that stuff. But I I didn't really like um, like dabble myself. I was more interested in like kind of the imagery and um, just like the general uh, like ambiance or like mm-hmm. mood that that kind of. Um, um, subject matter like kind of creates, uh, especially like within within music, you know, yeah. whether it's just like Fleetwood Mac or whether it's yeah. like some black metal, you know, it's like it it's it's a feeling that can't be denied, like when it's paired with music, you know. Yeah. Um. So, do you listen to any uh Bathory? Um, I've I've heard some before. There's a lot of bands that. There's like so many bands. Dude. Yeah, there's yeah. so many bands. It's, I want to say it's one guy. I want to say he's Swedish, and he uh, he does a lot of something similar. Some of his later work is similar to uh, to Raspy, the year solo work, where it's like uh, he very started s- doing electronic, like yeah, like darker heavy. electronic stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I've like I said, I've definitely looked into them before because yeah. um, when I'm like just when I have downtime, I'm just l- Wikipedia that absolute crap out of everything <laughs> yeah, I can. Yeah, definitely. And some of the information I retain and some mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't, you know. But, um, yeah, he's, he was like a black metal dude, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Started out black metal and then he, he like went really, really synthy later on. Um, he had a band at first and then he just went solo and uh, really relied heavily on the, on the like dark synth. Who is that? His name, uh, Bathory. Is, is do you the, know his name? I do not know his name. He went by Bathory the whole time. Like, it started out as a uh, band, and then even as the solo stuff, he retained the, the name Bathory. Is that Varg? No, no, no. Because no, he no. did electronic yeah, shit, yeah, too, yeah, but no. I think it what was his Barzum or something like that, huh? <sighs> oh, man. <sighs> yeah, that is Varg is Barzum. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, Church burnings. <laughs> what was the most recent interesting thing you Wikipedia'd? Oh, man. Like I said, like... I do it so much, like it's hard to retain all the. Inf- um, I was Wikipedia uh, some band before I left. 
uh, to come over here. I don't remember, dude. Um, shit. I know I've, I, I mean, I definitely Wikipedia title fight today because I was oh, wondering, yeah. I was <laughs> wondering what one, um, like the the guitar player who did the vocals, not Ned, but like the the d- other dude who yeah. does like backwards charm and shit. I was wondering like what he's up to, mm. <laughs> and so I found like a, a side project of his or whatever that's not what he's up to but like it was some, <laughs> it was on Bandcamp. Okay. So that was one of, that was one of the last things but probably not the very last thing oh, yeah. um but i'm i'm like such a music nerd like i'm always looking up music stuff oh yeah yeah uh that dude went by corthon corthon yeah of course yeah noted. With, with a q yeah, yeah. noted for, yeah. Sure, for, yeah. Sure, for yeah. sure but um we had talked about the replacements and uh also yeah big star mm-hmm and when I listened to the EP you sent me from Big Void or the single, uh-huh. I got really, really strong like Big Star replacements produced by Alex Chilton kind of vibes. Definitely, that. man. That's and, uh, I mean, um, yeah, that's that's what that that band for me was like. Um, uh, getting comfortable with like playing guitar and doing vocals in a band again because yeah. I hadn't um, in like probably since wildfires um i've been in other bands but i hadn't done like the guitar slash lead vocals thing Mm. so i had all these songs i had written um like kind of pre-pandemic and then like kind of during the early part of the pandemic i just like i have i play in drop b for that stuff and so i have an acoustic guitar like just drop super low and i would just write songs on it um and i'd never wrote written songs on acoustic guitar before Mm -hmm. so they just all came out super like kind of like catchy and poppier and stuff whereas back in the day like i would never write something that (laughs) poppy i would never like allow myself to put like to do like a verse chorus verse chorus Mm -hmm. bridge outro song like i would never ever dare and so that was the first band where I like just allowed myself to kind of just do it, you know. Yeah, and how was that to to change? Like I over looking at your catalog, you seem to have changed a lot over the genres. And mm-hmm. there's not many people. We've had a lot of people that have been in multiple projects, but of all the people we've had on, I don't think we've had anyone as diverse as as what it is that you've done and what you're doing. Yeah, I've been called like a chameleon or yeah. maybe something slightly more derogatory. But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty wild. Like yeah. your your genres right here is like, okay, you've played everything from fucking post-hardcore, sludge metal, um, experimental where everybody pretty much plays whatever, uh, electronic, and then this one is alt-country and power pop. Yeah, I'm assuming that's big. <laughs> that's boy. big boy. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like, I, I, I don't know if we had enough alt country influence in there to be like abundantly obvious. It was more like a Uncle Tupelo thing, which yeah. is like more rocked up. Yeah. Um. Then it's like Southern rock kind of blues rock. Yeah, thing. but they're from the Midwest, so yeah, like yeah. they didn't do it in this Skinnerd type of way. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. They yeah, did yeah. it kind of in this no, like no Confederate flags on their branding. It was they're just like Midwest punk rock dudes who were playing like this country rock. Yeah, which so. is, I I like I like Paul Westerberg for that same reason. Like his his acoustic stuff is very 
country leaning for for an alternative. See, the replacements and Uncle Tupelo are from like the same area. Okay. So there might be something to that. I mean, yeah. like the Midwest emo sound. I love it. Is not dissimilar to yeah. like some of that like rocked up alt country stuff, mm-hmm. like the twanginess and like the noodliness. So yeah. maybe there's something going down out there, you know. <laughs> <laughs> something in the water, man. Yeah, Which for we already sure. know it's Flint, Michigan, Brown's lead. <laughs> yep. But, yeah. So uh, tell me a little bit more about Big Void. How did that come to come together and uh? Where were you when it happened? Um, I, let's see, I guess um, it was during the pandemic, it was 2020, Mm -hmm. and I had um, immediately when the pandemic hit and I lost the two jobs I had at the time, um, I found an old restaurant I worked at that, like, would take me back, because I was, I didn't know we were going to get all these fucking payouts and all this stuff yeah, so yeah. like i was like well I better keep working <laughs> yeah you know so i did that and um when that kind of started to crap out i was um i was jobless and i was at my house just like what am i gonna do like with all my this extra free time and so i was just like cruising craigslist or something um and i think i think I think I responded to an, a drummer's ad. Mm-hmm. I don't think I put something up and he responded. I think he was like, you know, just trying to play, like, you know, whatever. I'm open to what, you know, anything. Yeah. So I hit him up and started picking his brain, and um, he was like this very eccentric character who had just moved there from Alabama, who um, like was just as like skinnered as he was like yeah. the replacements yeah. and. You know, he had, like, he had this duality of, like, being into, like, good old southern boy shit, mm-hmm. but also, like, underground punk rock shit. You that, know? Is <laughs> that, yeah. that is me. Yeah. I mean, I think there's me. a lot of people like that down yeah. here, especially these days. Mm-hmm. But, um, he's, he's kind of like this mad genius type dude who's, like, always building things and, like, um, and he just has like an obsession with like used gear like not even good used gear just like yeah like he has to buy something new like on a regular basis or not new but he has to get like a new toy on a regular basis and so he'd just be like getting stuff that like i know is gonna break in like a month but he's just so happy about it and i have a friend like that too he just bought some kind of organ amp he's like yeah man it's, it's an amp for an organ but i'm gonna try and figure out like how to get it to, to work for a guitar it's from the 50s i'm like okay well, what a leslie i i'm not sure i have no idea he sent me pictures of it a while back but he hasn't sent me any more so it probably did break <laughs> um <laughs> if it worked he's probably uh, more interested in sending pictures <laughs> but uh he had um he had he was living in this two-story house that um he split with like a roommate and his girlfriend and he had a room specifically for um like recording and practicing and stuff um and like a very modest uh like lower end setup of Mm -hmm. recording gear and stuff like that so we just started getting together um and just jamming these songs that i had written on that acoustic um and like just pretty much like straight on like he understood kind of what I was going for we we spoke kind of the same language and played stuff that 
uh, kind of shares like some common ground or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, just the patterns he was playing and the way he was like perceiving my wrists and stuff, it was just like, ah, oh, this is this gonna work out. So, um, we, you know, it didn't last as long as I would have liked it to. It kind of fell apart. It's kind of a shame the way things went out, but that's oftentimes the way bands end. You know, it's not always on a fun note, and oftentimes it's like two people getting into it, having a disagreement, and, you know, sometimes there are harsh words exchanged. Definitely. um, I mean, he and I are still on good terms and speaking terms and all that. He's playing... He's still living in New Orleans, playing in other bands. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, okay. um, So, you know, ultimate... I'm glad to be back in Lafayette. Mm-hmm. So sometimes, like, um, like something in your life changes to make room for something else. Definitely. And so if that band would have done great and stayed together, I'd still be in New Orleans in, like, poor health. Yeah. Like, with no, like, certain, like, plan of how my future is going to pan out, you know? So, yeah. Um, so, like I said, like, I'm just happy to be here. Big Void is definitely... One of my favorite bands I've had, at least in my adult life. Yeah. Um, and the we, you know, the one show we did play at the Boom Boom Room went really, really well, and I had a lot of hope for our future. But man, I wish I could have seen that. It got, you know, it got cut short. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, but yeah, that's it's big void. So what what bands are you currently in? Just Raspy and Magic Legs, right? Yeah, Ma- Ma- okay. Magic Legs. Um, Got back together after, I don't know, like 14 years. Oh, okay. Um, Same guys? Yeah. It's It's been always me and these two dudes, Bryson and Case. Mm-hmm. And they're like best friends born like very close together. So like okay. they, um, like on some astrological shit, they share <laughs> like a lot of the same <laughs> characteristics and um, like temperaments and... and um, they they just when they're together they kind of function as a unit yeah you know um, it's almost like they're twins or something <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> shout out to Bryson Case they're like around the same height and like they they're like into all the same things they have like movie night once a once a week together oh, yeah. and shit no shit they're just like and you know they're like like a few years older than me too so they're mm-hmm. not like. It's not like this young boyish thing. It's yeah. like these two older dudes still doing Which I don't their know shit. what's weirder. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> they they damn near have like date night and it's yeah. like awesome. Yeah. So um so we got back together and decided not to do any of our old stuff. Um partially just because we're not trying to like ride our own coattails. Um we're not we're not like so hurting for attention to where we'll like be like, yo, remember these songs from like 15 years ago? Yeah. Well, here they are again 15 yeah. years later. Like, yeah. so we kind of decided to just write all new stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so we like tune, tuned lower and, um, and are like in the process of making some like equipment purchases and stuff like that to kind of like up our sound a little bit. Okay. Um, like, and by equipment purchases, I mean like certain pedals that will make certain noises that we couldn't make without using mm, those pedals. Yeah. Like, kind of getting into some strange territory. There you go. Um, but we were always a very strange band, so I guess 
I guess um, while we don't feel like a any type of pressure to like do what we did before, we definitely want to outdo ourselves to a certain extent. You know, so it's yeah. not about like revamping what we've done already. It's about like like Where doing it right now? Tw- two times as hard. Oh, like yeah. you know, just two times as weird, <laughs> two times as heavy. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's that's my main thing right now. Um, I have big big void basically became once again like my bedroom project, mm-hmm. and I decided to not keep that name because since I since that band, dude, there are so many big this. Yeah. And something yeah. voids coming out like void True. and big are in like every other band name now. Yeah, and it was not like but that when I chose that name. Dude. I gotta <laughs> say though, like big void is such a good name. I, I don't know, like what did it like about a void? You just imagine it's already big, but now this is a bigger void. <laughs> Picture it. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. I, I thought it was a good name. The thing about names and like this, this has been bothering the absolute hell out of me but you cannot choose a name that hasn't been chosen already anymore true True. you really can't like i'm sure you guys might have put the the p in sick because there was already like a too sick podcast so i i actually put the the p in sick because because i didn't know how to spell it (laughs) because i was gonna i was gonna focus on like i wanted it to have like a, a punkish sounding name but have the p there for psychedelic. Originally, I was gonna put like a, a Y there, but I was like, nah, that's that's too out there. So I, I went with uh, with what it is now. Yeah, because I spelled it wrong forever. Yeah. I spelled yeah. it like P S Y C K for the longest yeah. time. Which that's that's why it is what it is named. I wanted it to be punk and psychedelic, like blended together. Yeah, I love that. I mean, that's that's definitely like my vibe in general. Yeah. But you know, like how um, like Dej Leg, like you know, his like one of his designs. It says like. Or, or like in some publications, they'll spell Southern like P S Y O. Yeah, you know yeah, what I'm yeah, talking yeah. about. So yeah, I, I love that kind of just intentional misspelling of a word. I don't know why I like it so much, but it's always stuck out to me. Yeah, it's also the '90s are kind of back in style, and yeah. that was like yeah. popping. The nostalgia 90s. is just a killer right now. Everybody wants something <laughs> nostalgic to jam or listen to or watch, or base their entire band around. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, so. Kind of going into the whole, uh, I guess, transition from Big Void to Raspy, I have damn near zero knowledge on, like, the electronic scene or music in general. Uh, not saying I never got into it, I just didn't, was just never on my top list to jam to. Um, but I have been listening to some of your stuff, and it's actually really good. Thanks, man. And uh, I just want to know, like, coming back to Lafayette and everything with the Raspy, um project going on is there a scene for that here or have you um like i so i actually got offered like a show at the boom room last night and i had to like like decline because first of all i haven't really been practicing for raspy Mm -hmm. that was something um i have been sitting on that new ep that i just put out uh dwellings for probably two years and um, and I decided, I practiced it on my own time up until the point where I had like a set figured out. So I set out and played like a good handful of shows last year. Um, 
One of them was at the Boom Boom Room opening for a Capture by Robots. Hell oh. yeah. I wanted to see that, too. They, they look like fucking phenomenal. I don't know. I, I saw some... Yeah, I've seen some live videos. videos. Yeah. That dude's wild. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty crazy. crazy. Um, just in... Back in the day when I saw them, they were a little more... When you say that, you mean him and a bunch of robots? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I saw them back in the day, and, like, it was a little more, like, almost cock rockish, I want to yeah. say. But now it's, like, straight grindcore. Hell yeah. So it's, like, it's actually, like, kind of interesting now. Yeah, that's a wild Because back in the day, it was just, like, something you'd see at, like, a circus. Yeah. Or, like, a state fair. And now it's like, oh, these robots are grinding their ass off. Dude. They're <laughs> <Yeah>. just like, <laughs> like dude, I wonder how fucking long sparks are flying. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Dude. I wonder how long it takes to set that up, like to have all the electronics and the robots. Well, I'm pretty sure the robots are just programmed <laughs> to just do it. Well, yeah, but like, not only like you don't have four members of a band that can help you move gear. Could you, you imagine got, going you... before the show starts and watching the robots set up? God. <laughs> Dude, if they set themselves up, I'm like, all right, fuck yeah. But this dude, I'm pretty sure, has to set up, like, three different robots. Like, Yeah, it's just, like, like he goes on tour, and it's just him and a big-ass van with, like, his robots. Could you imagine getting pulled God. over? <laughs> but, dude, can you imagine, like, like being all alone, like, touring across the United States mm-hmm. with no one to talk to? You just have robots. Oh, he's definitely and, insane. I don't think that was ever, oh, like, in the question. I bet he yeah, talks dude, to him. Oh, yeah, yeah, dude's gotta be crazy. Um... But, yeah, uh, so, do I think there's a scene here for raspy type of stuff? Not really. Um, but there wasn't in New Orleans either, to a certain extent. Uh, like, no one knew where to place me, and, um, and I, I'm also not, like, super, like, driven to do raspy right now. Okay. Um, like, I... I use that Instagram page, like, I use that Instagram account, like, just kind of as a default, like, for oh, myself, okay. because, like, if I didn't have some type of musical agenda, I would probably not have an Instagram at all, yeah. and I would just, like, live off the grid, and, like, you're off the grid as far as social media is concerned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it'd be cool to live off the grid completely, but Definitely. it might be kind of hard. Definitely. Um, Fan life. <laughs> but I... When when I wasn't really playing shows and stuff, there have been stretches of time where I had I didn't have social media. Mm. Um, I don't particularly like what it does to like my mental state. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's such like a necessary evil if you're an artist or Definitely. if you're doing anything. You it's really hard to get the word out otherwise, unless yeah. you just become like a straight up YouTube mouth kinda. type of you know if you, like. People even, definitely make careers out of doing YouTube channels, yeah. but, like, even, I'm not trying to do that either. YouTube's, like, a full-time job, though. Like, you gotta yeah. fuck so many hours of editing everything and, like, actually recording it, and, then like, it's, and it's I, a lot. I can't imagine myself doing, like, the whole, like, right here, subscribe yes, right here. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I'm not saying that shit, man. Yeah. Well, I'll do it. Um, <laughs> yeah, go follow this dude, man. Raspy. It's uh, R45PY. And then also go follow Magic Legs at Magic Legs Band. Yeah. Give this dude like 15 followers. That's all yeah, I want. Yeah. Just give him 15 <laughs> followers yeah. and I'll be, uh, I'll pat myself on the back. Hell yeah. So, um, I also wanted to, to talk about, well, it's, it's on the, on the aspect of, of there being a scene for, for Raspy. There seems to be a 
big EDM scene here. Mm-hmm. But raspy isn't quite EDM. You know, it's it's definitely electronic, but it's not dance music. You know, it's just a little heavier than that. Yeah, and I, um, I went through an era where I where raspy was. It was my DJ project. I was doing in New Orleans, and I was doing DJ gigs with decks or CDJs, yeah. and I was making four on the floor, like house songs, techno yeah. songs, like jungle f- footwork. Um, so Raspy has gone through that okay. like era, okay. but I I got really burnt out on dance music, um, and in the whole scene that's surrounding it. Um, so you know it's potentially otherwise like i'd be here kind of linking up with djs and Mm -hmm. like electronic musicians but i just really don't have a whole lot of drive to like be involved in that scene right now yeah i i I mean edm is like a a burgeoning scene around here it's it's pretty pretty popular there's there's a lot of edm djs in lafayette that uh seem to be playing the same kind of venues that that most of the the rock scene is and seem to be packing it out but um i like that you're not quite on that path anymore because the the dwellings EP I've never really or a single I've never really been an EDM kind of guy. I, Crack I it don't. Open. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Just just rip that bandaid. But uh, I've never really been one for instrumental work as much, and so EDM hasn't appealed to me. There's a there's a few EDM projects that I like, but uh, I really like the new single. I like dwellings a lot. And is it? So is does it list it as a single? Because it's like it three tracks. It's a three track, yeah. yeah. But I guess I guess like I may have like chosen a single. It's like an EDP, right? Because it, it's it's what like fifteen minutes, something like that. Twelve, fifteen. Yeah, it's it's a pretty short thing. But um, I guess releasing music on streaming has kind of changed the terminology yeah. of like what a single is or mm-hmm. what an EP is or what a full length is. So, like, back in the gap, like, an EP, like, three songs was an EP. Right. But I guess now, like, if you release a three-song thing, like, you lead with, like, one of the tracks is the single, and then you have, like, two extra songs on it. So, I think I've heard someone else refer to it like that, so I was just trying to, like, see where you were coming from. Yeah, it's it's three tracks. I think on Spotify, anything that's, like, three tracks. It is labeled as a single. Yeah, anything that's, like, three tracks or less will be... Uh, put out as a single on Spotify, labeled as such. Uh, I think like five tracks would be labeled as an EP, but I really think it should be more on like overall length, like time wise. But uh, I sent that single to uh, to Jack Rodding, who is uh, Mason from from Dogma, and uh, he gave me some some feedback on that, and he said he really liked that a lot. I sent him everything uh, that you had sent me. And uh, he listened to all of it, and he said that he could tell that you were, like, more passionate about, or not really more passionate, he didn't realize that they were so many years apart, so he uh, he could tell that, he said he liked your, your Dwelling single, or EP, uh, a lot more than than what... Like the older put, stuff? Yeah, yeah, than, than with, like, Wildfires. Um which Dogma is is kind of more similar to Wildfires genre-wise. Yeah, I, so I was cool. playing with the band actually uh, briefly in New Orleans, and we actually played with Dogma. Really? Yeah, we uh, oh, played, that's awesome. I played one show with them in Lafayette, and we played with Dogma at the Boom Boom Room. So yeah, hell yeah. I don't. They he 
probably didn't even make the connection and realize it was the same dude. Yeah, more than likely. He uh, he, he was comparing the dwellings... You want to call it an EP or a single? I, I mean, I wrote <laughs> it and intended it as, like, three songs that kind of bleed together. Yeah. So, yeah. you know. He, he compared that to... Um, Nine Inch Nails, which I, I agree with, with, like the industrial vibe, with uh, with Marilyn Manson kind of vocals, which I could see how that carried over when I listened to the Wildfires, uh, was it Fear War Rust uh-huh. EP? I could hear similarities in in the vocal style of of the Dwellings EP as well, and I I like that a lot. Like it made it kind of connect for me. Yeah. Um, Dwellings is the first record that I did vocals on for a Raspy project. Mm, yeah. Um, everything else before that was like, it was very sample heavy. Um, like, just like, I, whether I was watching a YouTube video or a movie or something, I would just always be like, kind of, um, accumulating like samples, like voiceover samples, I'm saying. And, um... Yeah. So that that always kind of like filled, you know, the gap of like where the vocals would have been, and so that was my first shot at putting vocals on my my own stuff, and um, or at least to record, and um, I, you know, it I I was very self conscious about it, and um, also like going in and out of like like tobacco addiction and stuff mm-hmm. like there's some times where I'm like not smoking and there are some times where like I'm bumming and there are some times where I'm like I bought a pack last week yeah. so it's like oh, yeah. um, that's something I've been kind of struggling with a little bit and that'll mess with your ability to hit certain notes and hold certain notes out and stuff mm-hmm. so um, I was just kind of inconsistent with it when it came to like a performance situation um and I hate, um, I strongly dislike, um, not being at my full potential, like, in a live setting, so, um, I guess I'm kind of, like, back to the drawing board with what to do with that right now. Okay. Um, but, um, you know, and it's, I, I did just start, like, working a new job, which was my main goal upon moving back here, Mm because you just, you have to exist. Oh, yeah. Um, so the, the free time I have right now is definitely going into doing guitar oriented stuff. And if, you know, whenever I do a raspy thing again, it'll just hit me and I'll probably knock it all out in like a few days. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, so, um, yeah, cause dwellings was written, um, during like maybe a few day period of like very intense psychedelia. Hell yeah. And whatnot. Yeah. So I'm just kind of like leave my, my <laughs> earth body. <and> yeah. like, <laughs> um, you know. Yeah, I, I have a, a series of like lyrics I've written that I, I titled everyone like uh, Acid Ramblings. <laughs> I just like went through yeah, just yeah. whatever was going I've, on in my I have head. like a whole like my voice notes and all that yeah. stuff. I still Dude, have. Dude, my voice memos are insane. <laughs> like just yeah. like DMT stuff. Definitely. And, all that, um, yeah, all that, all that stuff has been, like, vastly inspirational to not only, like, Raspy, but, like, Big Void, mm-hmm. 
most of Big Void's lyrics were about like DMT and like okay. Um, okay. time not existing yeah. <laughs> and you know um, living in a simulation and like you know so that that that's I like Big Void so much because I kind of hit that contrast of like heavy um, heavy topics and yeah. like whatever but like then the song like kind of um, you know like braces it up with like this catchiness or whatever yeah, yeah so i don't think i would ever like go into like talking about those types of things unless it was like catchy as absolute shit yeah i'm not trying to bum anyone out you know <laughs> like, yeah, like yeah. hey y'all and that's yeah yeah just yeah. like fucking hey, hey y'all pretty much like, <laughs> if hey y'all was shoegaze yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for me it's like a uh, big swinging party vibes from from the replacements where it's Hell like yeah. such an upbeat catchy song so goddamn sad when you fucking listen to it. Definitely. And I, I love that. I don't know. Definitely. Um, yeah. Um, I love, like, there. I think there are a lot of bands that kind of derive um, themselves, like, from the, the replacements, like, um, like, we've heard, like, Arches of Loaf. I um, even, like, Pavement a little bit mm-hmm. to an extent. I have heard a little of Pavement. Um, you know, Dinosaur Jr. Mm-hmm. All those, all those kind of old school indie bands are, are were big inspirations to Big Void. Have you uh, ever listened to the Mountain Goats? Yeah, here or there, like who's in that? Um, Man, I, it's it's mainly. Uh, I think it's like they shared members with some other band. Probably, I might so. be wrong they, though. They've put out like dozens of albums since the nineties. There's this folk band out of out of Cali. I like them a lot, though. Let me see. Yeah, I think I had a friend who was into them and would play them sometimes. Yeah, they're they're the same kind of same kind of vibe. Where it's it's not really like uh, they're more raw and like folky, but uh, same same kind of alt kind of inspired by the replacements type. Where uh, I don't know, he, he writes a lot about his feelings really deep like uh, double entendres and stuff and yeah but it's rock and roll as hell yeah 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 it's it's very good I like it a lot yeah man um fucking King Louie I, I feel like I was preaching about King Louie to you like in front of the boom <laughs> yeah, room yeah. that night yeah but like King Louie Bankston was a musician from New Orleans who was involved with um Goner Records who I like name dropped earlier mm-hmm. out of Memphis um and he uh, he he was very good at like writing, um, like power pop basically, and okay. just writing like a really timeless, catchy song. But it being about like something goofy or whatever, yeah, um, or just more lighthearted. Um, but yeah, like uh, one of his albums, Alex Shilton produced. I think that's why. I, okay, I okay. was I had brought him up. When we were talking originally about all that, yeah, uh, I think I had I had posted a replacement song, and uh, it was from the album that uh, that Alex Shilton had produced. And, uh, I think I think that's why we originally got on the topic of Big Star. Yeah, Tim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah he produced Tim. Um, which like Bastards of Young. Yes, it's like was, one of my favorite yeah, songs. Amazing. Like, hands down, one of my favorite songs. Yeah, Bastards of Young, and then uh, Alex Shilton itself as, as a song is one of my favorite replacement songs. Yeah, yeah, man. Um, 
when I, when there's a whole like list of bands like from that era where anytime someone like brings up one of them it's just like a connected it's dots. just like trickles down yeah. it's like um they're all like kind of connected and stuff or you know it's over time if you're into one you'll eventually find all the other ones mm-hmm. too mm-hmm. oh yeah it's, it's kind of like that you know all on the same pond kind of kind of deal yeah yeah what uh you got any other things you want to kind of touch on before we dive into my hard hitting questions no nah, i think we're we're uh well one more tell me about uh hatchet moon that one really stuck out to me from from big void just uh just all about the the <coughs> lyrics uh i i know you said it it came from psychedelia but is there anything uh anything you you'd like to say about it yeah man um I uh, had a friend named Philippe, um, who's from, I think, like, the Abbeville, St. Martinville area, and um, he was living in New Orleans, and uh, we would run into each other a lot at the same bar, um, which is Powell's Lounge. It's, like, on Bayou St. John, and I used to, I lived around that area pretty much the whole time I was in New Orleans, Um, but he... uh, he would get like really wasted and, and go on these like extensive bike rides all over the city and be posting just like he'd basically be like Instagram journaling his his um journeys yeah his yeah. like explorations <laughs> and he'd be all over the place and he just you know he was he was just kind of like a very uh he like a sensitive but rough around the edges like Cajun dude. Oh yeah. Who was very into like a lot of the stuff we're talking to. I mean, like he was just into like subculture and mm-hmm. underground stuff. Um and uh and he like struggled with mental health and um I think he was like living in a closet or something and they found him like hanging in the closet. Mm. So, um, yeah, so that song's about him just, like, riding his bike around at night really late. Yeah. That's deep as hell. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. I was gonna say shout out Philippe, but fuck. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, bro. Yeah, man. It's rough out there. I I got to, I ran into him, we'd be on our bikes and Mm. run into each other and stuff, um... So I I got to run into him like not long before it happened. So it's kind of yeah. like New Orleans is weird in like a very uh, mystical, esoteric, mm-hmm. psychedelic way. Where like sometimes like before people die, you'll run into them like shortly before, yeah. and you'll have like a meaningful conversation, and you'll never see them again. Damn. So that's actually happened to me a lot in New Orleans. <laughs> Damn, man. Yeah. Party city, huh? <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, yeah. but it's it's not just it's not like people just die from partying. It's it's like yeah, yeah. depression and yeah. um, just like the living conditions over there and stuff. You know, it's a sad city. Yeah, oh yeah, it can be that that sugar coated with a bunch of party. Yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely. Pretty much, man. That's... There is there's hope out there, you know, if you're struggling. But uh, let's let's get on to Duke's hard hitting. All right, so. Uh, I asked my nine-year-old question, my my nine-year-old cousin, if he had any questions, 
and uh, he won't listen to this. He has no idea who you are. <laughs> um, so answer them as truthfully and as open as you want to. But they're pretty hard-hitting. And I'm going to phrase them to you exactly how he phrased them to me. <laughs> so they're up to interpretation. Right, and they're called fam questions, all right? So first one, what is your favorite movie? Um, Just one? You can name a few. All right. Uh, Donnie Darko, SLC oh, Punk. Yeah. And, um, man, I don't know, like... Hey, you got four John Wicks to pick between. <laughs> like... <laughs> Maybe like Pulp Fiction, Royal Hell Tenenbaums. Yeah. Hell yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's all good ones. Uh, of the four, which one's the best, the top for you? Like, I, f- I feel like, I feel like when I was younger, I was on some SLC punk shit, mm-hmm. and like, as I become older, I realize like I'm, I'm fucking Donnie. Yeah. <laughs> did you understand Donnie without doing research, or did you have oh, to? Oh kind man, of... I still don't understand Donnie. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. why I love it so much. Because yeah. it's just like so just out of left field. Yeah. There's a uh, I don't know if you ever listen to Calculator. There's a good Calculator song. I think it's called Math. Um, that has like some uh, quote like samples from Donnie Darko. Yeah. Intertwined in the song is really fucking good. But uh. All right, on a scale from 1 to 10, how fast are you? <laughs> what is a 10? I've been a lot faster <laughs> in my in my younger years. Uh, I never I never imagined the day where I'd say this, but it's like my knees and my ankles and yeah. It's like they aren't what they used to be, you know, I'm 35. So, um I get tired easier and stuff. <laughs> um but I never really went easy on myself, so my body is kind of just like, you know. Depreciating in value? Yeah. <laughs> How do you think you would fare up against Brock? I'd uh, probably whoop my ass. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out, Brock. Um, what is your favorite word? Um, probably phantasmagoria. Oh, hell yeah. You want to tell Brock what that means? Uh, don't want to tell him what that means. Why don't we look it up? <laughs> I, so, I once, um, when I was a teenager, had a rabbit that had a name Phantasmagoria. Fuck yeah. You had a pet rat named Houdini. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Alright, Phantasmagoria, a sequence of real or imaginary images like those seen in a dream. Interesting. Oh. Interesting. It's not what I thought it was. Yeah, that, that one. Wow. I don't know. <laughs> Phantasmagoria. <laughs> I had a chicken named Wishbone that I named after the local <laughs> fried chicken restaurant. <laughs> yeah. What is your least favorite word? Um. Oh man. Oh man. <laughs> Told you, man. They're fucking hard hit. I don't know. See, like, I don't. I'm not one of those people that flinch when motherfuckers say shit like moist. Yeah. yeah like, yeah, that yeah. doesn't really bother me that Shut much. Up, or cunt. You know what? Yeah. Viscous. Viscous? Viscous? Wow. Yeah. That, that shit bothers me. Man. Viscous. I have a friend. That sounds um, like a stripper's name. I'm going to say just viscous. <laughs> oh, dude. Slow flowing, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Alright, uh, what sound of noise do you love? Um, 
I'm an audio engineer. I love the sound of most noise, unless it's people, um, like, like making chewing sounds very close to my ears. Dude, is that not what Nick said? No, he said, uh, he said he loved the noise of feedback and he hated snoring. Man, I swear somebody said, like, like chewing beside them. Or smacking, yeah, yeah, like smacking. Yeah. Well, you answered the next one, what is your least favorite noise? <laughs> yeah. Um, Alright, this is how it's worded. Do you like ghosts? In, uh, in general, <laughs> yes. In general, yes. Yeah. Uh, I like most, most things, um... Paranormal, I guess. Yeah, so, mm-hmm. so being into exo uh, exotericism, uh, have you had any spiritual experiences? Oh man, I've had a lot of things that are kind of hard to uh, accept and understand unless you're there and you saw it. Mm-hmm. Okay, you know, um, you know, uh, the house I was living in in New Orleans. Uh, a lot of like kind of strange stuff went down in it. Um, like while you were there, or before. Um, both. Both. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. I I know yeah. the guy who lived there before I did, and mm-hmm. I know that he was like in there on the same shit. So, um, yeah. Um, like the whole haunted aspect of reality is definitely like a a key influence in behind most things that I yeah. do um like I've yeah I've definitely experienced some some supernatural paranormal shit that I would sound like a crazy person talking about it is well, there I, anything yeah I told like some to crazy stories yeah. last podcast so if you got one that you want to uh, tell or that I mean, it's it, a lot of it has to do with like kind of synchronistic things, mm-hmm. like things kind of working out in such a coincidental way where you're like, there's no way yeah. that it's this isn't connected, you know? There was a lot of that there. Um, you guys know what the ley lines are? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so like New Orleans like connects like a ley line that goes all the way up to like New England and mm-hmm. all that shit, which is why I think. Um, the exiled Cajuns, like, went along that route to get all the way down to, like, you know, this area. Because, like, there are ley lines, like, passing through Broussard, Youngsville, too. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I love ghosts. (laughs) You like them? I love ghosts. (laughs) Check that one off. Yeah, he likes it. Check. Uh, this one's actually really fucking good, and I'd want to know how he came up with this one. Uh, what profession other than music would you like to do? Um, well, I am considering going back to school for digital arts. Okay. But I'm pretty terrified that AI is going to fuck that up. Uh, true. So I've uh, I've always done a a pretty um you know large amount of the artwork that has been part of whatever releases I've ever done mm-hmm. or projects I've ever done. Um, and, uh, you know, I've designed album covers and T-shirts and stickers and 
So um, that's something I've already been good at for a while. And so, you know, um, it would be cool to get a job doing that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like I said, I just started working again. I've only been back three months. So um, kind of taking things one step at a time. But I do have plans to go back to school, like probably SLCC or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and perhaps for digital art. So if I wasn't doing music, I'd probably be doing like art type of stuff, graphic design and, um, yeah. Oh yeah. Probably that. Fuck yeah, man. And then, uh, I just have, is there any, um, do you have any information or anything regarding any upcoming releases or shows or projects that you're coming up with? Nah, I'm in hibernation mode right now. Like, sometimes I have... Sometimes I'm, like, playing in several projects and, you know, have, like, several things coming out, like, all, like, one after the other. But, um, I think I've done quite a bit of that over the past 10, 15 years. And at 35, I'm realizing I really don't want to have to work in a restaurant. Yeah. Like... any longer than I have to. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I love the place I work at, um, and the people I work with, but it's just physically demanding. Mm -hmm. And, um, and you know, it's a lot of the times you're working hours where you would otherwise be out watching shows or playing shows. So my goal is to get to like, you know, like just a cush, like fucking Monday through Friday, nine to five where I'm, I can, just be like okay the the struggle is over like the money's coming in yeah like i know i'll have my weekends to myself i know that like i can probably handle like going out once or twice during the week and not like be struggling at work because like you know we get like some big rush you know they're the same boat (laughs) i'm serving right now too and i'm just like i just want to get out of it so I'm bad in, I'm in the kitchen shit. so oh, okay see I'm on the other side I've been in the same. see like and so here's where here's where we're gonna like here's where we're gonna butt heads <laughs> but like so my thing with working in the kitchen as much as I love to cook and I'm pretty damn good at it if mm-hmm. I do say so myself is when front of house when a restaurant gets a big push and and the front of house are like, yo, yo, like, and getting kind of, like, mouthy. It's like, y'all are making more money right now because we have True. a push, but we True. aren't making shit. Yeah, you're making hours. Except what we'd be making if it was dead as fuck. Exactly. We were all just standing around. Exactly. Yeah. So, like, still being in a kitchen at 35, that's, like, probably the hardest pill to swallow for me. Yeah. Because it's like, me, my work... My the velocity at which I am working means nothing as far as my wage is concerned. Yeah, you know I'm just simply paid to be there like a watchdog. Yeah. So I don't really have it in me to be a front of house person. I've tried it, didn't go super well. No, I could not be a like, kitchen guy. Yeah. I've I've been called like an asshole like as a front of house. <laughs> well, I person. get called an asshole all the time still. <laughs> I, I can't go in the you're kitchen. You're like I don't care. Yeah, like, you're not like, getting yeah. rid of. There's me. a thousand restaurants in Lafayette. I'll go find another one if I have to. <laughs> Big but. facts, dude. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I mean, I I like the the people I work with. I what's in becoming a lot more important as I get older is that I like the product that's going out. Yeah. 
because if I care, if I really, from the depth of my heart, like care about, like I work at a brewery. Mm-hmm. It's a new, a newer brewery, like down the road from my house. So, you know, I went over there. I tried the food. I tried the beer. I felt strongly about it, and it was like, okay, like I'll take a pay cut. You know, I'll take because I'm as an audio engineer, I make in some cases like four times as much as I make in the kitchen. Yeah. You know? So I was like, you know what? I like the people that are there. I like the food we're putting out. I like the beer they're brewing. Mm-hmm. I'm proud of it. So like I'll Do you mind name dropping? Yeah, Adopted just... dog. Oh, I was just about, about to say yeah, that. Hell yeah. I fucking so we live like right dog. by each other then. Hell yeah. Where you live off of Dallas? Yeah. I okay. Love, yeah. Yeah, by Acadiana High. Hell yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. so we're like right yeah. by each other. Hell yeah. Um that's that's like my mom's spot. Um, so I just like moved back to town, um, you know, kind of on some like helper out, yeah, like have yeah. a free place to stay. Oh, she owns it. It's her spot. Like adopted dog. Yeah. No, 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 no. no. I'm, oh. saying, I'm saying yeah. her, the house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. yeah, yeah. No, I do not own adopted <laughs> dog. I just want to clear that up. You said spot. I, I am like, just like, oh, a, a cook at adopted dog. That's her stomping grounds. Nah, I'm not. Okay. I'm not living that type of lifestyle, dude. Like, it's like, damn, she's yeah. got you in the kitchen. That sucks. Nah, dude. Nah, my mom is a, a working woman and has been great, gracious enough to allow me to like have a room to stay in. Fuck yeah! Shout out Max's um, mom. Hell yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I gotta apologize like right now up front because uh, I stole a glass from Adopted Dog because it looked too cool. Hey so, man. You know. <laughs> I drink out of it. They all do not pay me enough to chase down people who steal from us <laughs> at all. Yeah, no, yeah I, I tell all the guests. I was like, if you can fit in a purse, I don't give a shit. <laughs> I've had people steal skillets. <laughs> skillets. Like, unless I got a bus. Man. Yeah, I I really like what Adopted Dog is doing. Yeah, I'm stoked. Yeah, yeah. I like that too. I'm glad to have a, a brewery in Lafayette. Yeah, because I think all the other breweries uh, are like Brobridge and yeah. Broussard, and like you, you know. Just um, cool. They're, they're local enough, but to have one in the city, that's fucking nice. You know them, them Broussard cops be posting up oh, outside the yeah, brewery. Like, yeah, no fucking get doubt. You. Oh, oh yeah. So it's yeah, it's just having that right down Dallas is super nice. Now I work every day we're open, so it's not like mm. I can really go kick it there anymore. Yeah, but yeah. at least like at the end of every day, like I can like still have the food or the beer if I want it you yeah know? so do you know how how that's doing as a business it's successful enough man I mean we um we did like an an Oktoberfest thing yeah the other day and I mean it was like packed from the time I got there until the time yeah. I left and um oh, dude this that. there's this like older dude like, um, was, like, in one of the bathroom stalls for, mm-hmm. like, hours. <laughs> like, literally, like, two hours. And, like, they had to come and, like, wake him up. And he was full, like, shit and puke Man. and stuff. And, like, it was... Yeah, dude. Like, it, it gets... It gets pretty crazy. Yeah. Um... Don't go shit and puke at Adopt-A-Dog. Go eat and have you a couple beers. By all on. means, like, use the facility. Yeah, 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 like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Puke this, and shit in the yeah. toilet. <laughs> Dude, it was great, and yeah. like the like two of the front of house and people were like fucking rock paper scissoring for like who's gonna clean it, <laughs> and like that's a manager's job yeah. right there. 
<laughs> You're right about that. <laughs> Holy shit. Oh, man, because if I got to go in there and do it, I'm going to be puking and shit, too. I'm going to be freaking out. Yeah, dude. I got to wear, like, a whole hazmat suit to do some shit like that, man. Yeah, dude, my first my first job was at Winn-Dixie, and I was, uh, quote-unquote, front-end assistants. But I was basically just a buggy boy and a bagger. Yeah. yeah. But they were like, I remember one time I had a little walkie-talkie on, and they called. They were like, uh, yeah, we're getting strange smells coming from the women's room. And I was like, well, that sounds like a y'all problem, man. I'm front-end assistants. <laughs> that man. bathroom's in the back, boy. Oh. I don't want to tell you. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, fuck that, man. I can't do yeah. all that. What's what's the worst job you've ever had? Um, I've had a lot of really shitty jobs. Um, I worked at I worked at this fine dining place when I first moved to New Orleans, where mm. I worked a wood fire oven. Yeah, because we did like wood fire pizzas Hell and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and it was it was very interesting, like kind of being able to work with those ingredients and, and that kind of setup and that mm-hmm. kind of demand for quality. But, um, there, you know, hell of rats and it was dirty Ooh. as hell. And it was, I remember like one, one day I didn't work there for very long either, but one day I was riding to work on my bike and I got caught in the rain. So I showed up soaking wet and then you're by like a wood fire oven all night and you have to rebuild the fire over and over and over. Yeah. It goes out. So, um, so I, you know, by the end, of, I, I went from like being soaking wet to like drying <laughs> yeah. up to like being soaking wet from yeah. being so dehydrated, yeah. like all in the course of <laughs> one shift. Like you come out fucking covered in like dude. soot. You dude, look like a yeah, you smell like an absolute bonfire, dude. Yeah. And like at the end of it, like I, I ended up quitting because they my paychecks were backed up and they kept and i was like yeah i'm not coming in like if y'all can't pay me and they were like you know whatever um so they like fired me because i wouldn't come in and then i never got my last check fuck (laughs) yeah a lot of stuff paul Heyman. what's that i said was your boss paul Heyman? (laughs) it was like a scary italian guy named uh briante who apparently shot out one of the windows one night damn um yeah, like came that's where your paycheck went. That window, <laughs> yeah, probably so. <laughs> that motherfucker was scary though. I accidentally worked for a pyramid scheme once. Yeah, it was uh, some kind of. We our job was to go and and assemble things that uh that stores bought and needed assembling, but they didn't want their own employees to do it. So like exercising machines, bicycles, fucking <laughs> furniture. So they would pay this other company, this third party to go and open the boxes and assemble everything so that they could sell it complete. So I went and did that, but the guy that that hired me, he was a trainer and the regional manager. So he was getting a salary as regional manager. Every new employee he got on, he got uh, a commission. So we were supposed to be paid commission, but the first two weeks we got paid like $12, $13 an hour. So you would build shit, and then he would take credit for it. So he would get the commission off the price of of you building it. So I'd get hourly, he'd get commission plus salary. Well, different things are worth different amounts of money. Like a bicycle, you get like eight fifty four, whereas you build like a chicken coop, you're getting like a hundred and fifty bucks. So he would go in before any of the trainees or the newer employees went in, and he would build the chicken coop, like the high dollar items, 
and he'd be racking up like a thousand dollars off of that. Just all the new shit, all the big shit, and he would get commissioned for that as an employee plus his salary plus training when the new employees did show up. So he, he worked go, for a business. Man. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That man it. was hustling, <laughs> bro. Was he had three it. paychecks he was collecting, <laughs> and it took us like a few weeks to realize what was going on. Because after that two weeks stopped and we stopped getting hourly, we're like commission ain't shit around here bro like i showed up and there's 50 bicycles that need assembled but i was called up and they said there, there would be like three different freaking pieces of furniture bookshelves and shit but they were already built when i got here so I, I, <laughs> man, i'm stuck with 50 bikes bro so yeah we, we quit that once we figured that out but. dude the, the wildest gig i had was i found a job on craigslist to make some quick cash for like yeah. when i was in college you were jiggling yeah, yeah, I was a jiggle. <laughs> I found this one gig where this dude was like, like you see them all over town. They're uh, like those big neon signs that are like, we buy your house. Yeah. Like, call me if you yeah, buy your home. Yeah. So the dude was like, uh, look, I'll give you $3 a sign. Here's crates of this shit. Just put them up. He gave me um, like a Google Maps of where he wanted all of the stops to be. So like every telephone pole, wherever. Yeah. And... Uh, so I hit up my boy and I was like, "Hey, look, here's the deal." He gave and the dude gave me this big handcrafted tool he made that was like <laughs> PVC pipe, and at the end of it was a staple gun. Yeah. And so you stick the sign right there and then you smack it on top of a telephone pole high to where people can't just rip it off. Yeah. So I was like, "All right, here's the deal." I called a buddy. I was like, "Look, I'll give you a dollar a sign. I'm gonna take two, one for me and one for gas, and we'll hit up all these spots one night and we'll see how it is." So we had fucking like probably hundred signs with us and we were like let's go you know late at night when there's no traffic so we go at like one two in the morning and we're going through fucking sketchy neighborhoods dude at like three in the morning we, we'd stop the car he'd hop out and just pop you smack it dude everybody's fucking porch lights come on and shit so we're like fuck dude so about the the, the second day we go do it because it was good money and uh i was like hey man look i don't have any gun or any kind of weapons but if you got one i would be like you know, really encourage if you can bring something. So he was like, bro, I got you. So we meet back up the next night and we're going back out and we're in this really sketchy neighborhood. And I'm like, hey, uh, did you bring any weapon? And he's like, dude, I got you. And he fucking got like, he's wearing like sweatpants and like tube socks. He's got two fucking hatchets like in his tube what? socks. And I'm like, the fuck are we going to do, dude? <laughs> it's like... Mall ninja kind yeah, of just shit fucking like it, you're just gonna charge somebody with a tomahawk. I mean, I guess it's scary, but like a gun is scarier. <laughs> but dude, we made a killing, dude. I'd make like six hundred dollars a week doing that Damn. shit. But it was like really sketchy. Yeah, he's out of business now. Yeah, I don't know. His name's Brandon Calhoun. Shout out Brandon Calhoun if anybody wants a job. <laughs> Good guy. He was, he, was, he, was, he was punctual. Yeah. He yeah. definitely would Venmo me on time. Damn. Paid by Venmo. Yep. That's nice. I still got a fuck ton of signs. Just like in my in that little shit. Just boxes of signs. I don't know what to do with. Hell yeah. So, uh, we're going to go ahead and start to, to wrap it up. Is there any kind of like closing message you have for anybody out there? Or uh, Especially my little cousin Brock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Words yeah. of wisdom yeah, you want to give him? Brock. Um, nah, I don't, I don't really, I'm not really like a closing message type of person. <laughs> I, there's way, it's way too easy to be corny with that. Yeah. Um, but shout out Brock, um, <laughs> ghosts are tight and you could probably whip my ass yeah. in a race. So, 
Adopt Hope you have a, a good night, brewery. bro. He's nine? Yeah, he's nine. All right, a few years, you go check out Adopt a Dog Brewery. <laughs> we'll probably sneak you in there. <laughs> yeah, we got you, man. Yeah, yeah dude, so uh, if you don't have any closing thoughts, man, this was fun, dude. I enjoyed yeah. this. I like talking about, yeah. you know, fucked up jobs and work. And <laughs> yeah. Kind of oh, lets yeah. the get it out of my system to vent and <laughs> talk about shit. Yeah, I guess if nothing else, like, you know, Magic Legs will be doing our thing probably by the beginning of the new year. We're, we're yeah. not, we're in no rush. We're just trying to write um, and come up with stuff that will, um, I mean, it sucks going to see a band and you're, like, bored. So, yeah. like, we want to write some cool stuff that will keep people um, intrigued and, like, you know, keep people's attention. Um, and, uh, yeah, that new band i've been working on that is kind of the continuation of big void mm-hmm. um i'm just looking for people to play with really um and if not if i you know it's like if i can't find uh permanent members right now then i'll just kind of like have a rotating cast of people until something yeah. clicks so um so reach out to him uh on his instagram which is yeah it's a uh, magic legs band and uh raspy which is a r four five Py yeah, reach out uh, if you're if you're looking to do something musically. Uh, maybe get an audition with them. Yeah, mostly like rhythm section people, bass players yeah. and drummers. Okay. Um, may end up bringing keyboard and guitar into it eventually, but right now I'm just looking for like a bass player and a drummer to like hold it down. You know. Hell yeah. Yeah, and if anybody has an audio uh, engineering gig that they need a a bad yeah, motherfucker to yeah. do. Holla at this guy. Get him out of the kitchen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, you know, mix and master. I'm down to mix <laughs> yeah. and master like your album. Hell yeah. Um, so anyone in need, holler at me. Well, thank you very much for coming out tonight. Uh, Appreciate it's, y'all. It's been an honor. Thank you. Yeah, man. This has been fun. Yep. And, uh, Later, guys. Always, yep. Peace and love. <laughs>